Welcome to the So What Podcast. This show is dedicated to planting ideas, habits, and God-given purpose into the soil of business so you can enjoy the harvest and share it with others. Now, here's your host, Paul Tran. Can you hear me? Is yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Uh, uh, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, dude. Uh, I, I'm inspired. I just did a, a, a case study interview with George because uh, my buddy Dean, Dean from uh, ProSoom, the VSA company, he and I yeah. were just asked to speak to a bunch of um, startup founders who I guess they're part of this acceleration coaching program at the University of Notre Dame. And uh, we, they wanted us to talk about uh, virtual systems architects. Uh, so we wanted to just chat about that. And so I thought I'd bug George for a couple minutes about, you know, a case study on how it's pretty much helped his company. And yeah. uh, I guess I'm in, I, I'm in, I feel pretty good about interviewing on video right now. I think I'm the Asian Larry King right now. So I figured <laughs> uh, to, to, uh, sucker someone else in so why not you because i know you're uh, in taiwan right now <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just sitting here for the next like 850 hours so wait, i got nothing to do man <laughs> wait is, is it so you you traveled to to taiwan you can't they won't let anybody else in right it's just it's just like dual citizens or how does that work is this, is this something larry king would ask is this, a, <laughs> is this a good question <laughs> Uh, let me get my suspenders on. Shut up. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, next topic. Next topic. This is not working out too well. <laughs> no, just, no, I came to Taiwan on a uh, on a visa because it's um, so they banned all foreign nationals from coming in. Okay. Um, but then uh, I think they banned people starting March something or April. But right when it happened, um, I reached out to the embassy in LA. And I said, uh, I needed to come take care of my parents. Um, you know, they're going to come back because they escaped COVID because of pre-existing conditions, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh-huh. And then um, they did zero diligence and they just like, here's a visa. <laughs> so I got a special, uh, <laughs> so I got a special COVID visa. But apparently you, it's like, it's hard to get now though. Should you publicize like how incompetent the embassy is <laughs> right now? Uh, so I went through, I jumped through all these hoops, man. They were like so diligent. It's too late, dude. Uh, they asked too late. <laughs> And I don't know how to edit stuff uh, yet, dude. I don't know how to edit anything yet, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, well, they did, they're very serious about their job. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Let's back up for a little bit. So, um, so I started a podcast, and it, it's called So What Podcast, and the so is spelled S-O-W. And a lot of times it's more like just little, little nuggets or little seeds of like wisdom or insights or experiences or failures or mistakes that I've made or, or I've read about that, that I feel like I could share with, with the audience, whoever's willing to listen, uh, beyond my dog. Uh, and, you know, and that, you know, that's, that's the whole point of the podcast. And so far I've used my VSA to automate, uh, 17 episodes already, dude. It's only been like, it's been only like three weeks. It's kind of cool. But anyway, uh, I was inspired after I talked to George because um, you know how Tim Ferriss does that whole random show with Kevin Rose? Yeah, yeah. That's you and me, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Man, I hope this is interesting. <laughs> so, so that we don't get like a cease and desist letter. Like, what? What should we call our show? What should this one be called? Um. <laughs> uh, let's see. The Come yeah, on, there's nothing that's gonna make people want to listen to it. <laughs> Dude, you took improv in New York and, and, and nothing comes to mind, dude. <laughs> what can we possibly provide to people to want to spend time listening to us talk about this? It's gonna be the most listened to episode. I share I pour my heart out. I share all like my hurtful moments, like when I got divorced or when I failed at my business, and 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 this will be the most listened to episode. This one right here. Yeah. No, no, that's stuff we can will get like, two two whole listeners. <laughs> It'll be the two listeners that the embassy of Taiwan because they're going to send us a cease and desist letter. <laughs> anyway, um, so just for the audience's context, um, you and I are partners at the Halal Guys. We built a team together. Uh, we're equal partners. We 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 raised money with friends and family, and uh, we bought the franchise rights for Halal Guys Southern California. Uh, it's been a couple years now, like. Four, five years, and we currently have nine locations. Uh, we're continuing to build more once the environment looks ripe and uh, and all that good stuff. But um, you know, we're so much more. We've had a lot of cool, cool side side quests, so to speak. Um, I know that you're also into tech, and you're into a lot of other businesses, and I know your family's into a lot of businesses too. So uh, you know, I, I feel like the audience would. Like the two audience members would benefit from <laughs> from all the other cool things that you're that you're doing too. So um, I don't know. Tell me what you're doing, dude. Tell me what you're doing in Taiwan, and tell me what other yeah. businesses you've been doing since we've been we've been able to run this this company with really good managers and and uh, in place and systems in place. Tell yeah. Me. Um. So I guess a current before this, um, I was working with my friend uh, before, but. Um, we were just like, uh, can you hear uh, you, my connections? And yeah, you cut in and out a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. So you and your friend who? Yeah. Who's working on what? Yeah. So my friend Tomas and I, uh, just like, we really wanted to get back into, you know, we had like a really, um, really find alcohols. Uh, I mean, outcomes of, you know, every tech company raising money, you're trying to get to like a billion dollar, you know, make a unit. And um, we don't want to do that, right? We, early exit so we're aiming for like we just like we really want to drill everything down it's like hey we want to get to 100 million dollar exit in the next you know five and then so when you start the like it opens up the oh, no. a lot more hey uh dude I, I i missed so much of it uh am i coming off coming um, no it, um it's like pretty shoddy up here uh is this any better uh, I hope so. Um, all all I heard was a hundred million dollar exit, and I was like, "Dang!" <laughs> I wonder if that was <laughs> done intentionally, dude. Uh, no, this is this bad. No. <laughs> oh, here, I gotta. Wait, how how come all the 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 unnecessary, all the fat in our conversation was all clear, and then all the substantive <laughs> stuff is like missing? <laughs> That's not fair. Maybe, maybe I'm just pretending because I have nothing to say. <laughs> Going through a tunnel. <laughs> uh, is any better? 
Uh, I think so. Oh, that's a good. <laughs> there we go. Uh, is this any better? Hello. Check. Uh, when you say "is this getting any better," it sounds good, and then and then stuff gets missing. Um, okay, is, you can go. you hear me continually now? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so basically, starting like six months ago, uh, my friend and I we started with ideation. And um, so our whole was like, uh, you know, both like um, like a tech one. He used to be a family startup. So he's like very into like, okay, we got to raise money if I can scale and do all this, uh, you know, like a typical venture fund. Yeah. Um, but we started looking at companies like uh, our whole to build a billion dollar company. We care about that. Um, but we do want to have like, like a successful 50 to $100 million exit, right? That's like our parameter success. Yeah. Um, in the next like five to seven years. And then, um, you know, I think things in terms of that, instead of like this massive, like I want to build Google. Uh, and so we basically spent like, like just doing ideation, like looking at different frameworks and like trying to uh, see what industries are, you know, best like to move into in the future. Yeah. This is right before COVID, by the way. And then so um, we kind of like meandered around and then we landed on mental health and then um, specifically like mental health esports. And so we were doing like, a, so we actually like, yeah, we secured a deal with this um, professional esports team um, by the Golden State Warriors. And then so we secured also we go in and bring this um, executive coach from London. He's like, he trains headquarters uh, and like, um, just like high, you know, high level exec, like uh, on just like pressure and performance analysis. Yeah. And um, so he hooks a bunch of like parts, all your data, and then, um, and then you to like become better performers. And so our thought was that we're going to bring this guy, bring him into um, these uh, professional esports teams because the, the the capacity is kind of the same, right? It's like uh, you know, like traders and esports is like it's like a high mental stress um, game. Oh yeah. And then uh, for like prolonged hour. And so we're like, hey, let's bring him in. And we'll test all these guys. We'll hook them up a bunch of hardware, and then we'll find out like what biomarkers um, are capable of like helping um, adapt and like perform better. And then uh, and then we create like a hardware um, based off of that, and then sell it to like the esports community. Um, what what form does the hardware take? So we were looking specifically. So we talked to all these like trainers. We were looking specifically at a, a marker called HRV, which is your heart rate variability. So it's like the, it measures the um, the intervals between each heartbeat, and then that actually has like a, a massive indication of like it's like a stress indicator. And so basically, when you have like very low HRV, meaning like your, your heartbeat's very consistent, it's like every twenty milliseconds it it, uh, it beats, and that yeah. means you're in a stressed environment. Um, uh, when you like release cortisol or when you're in like a high stress situation, your heart like, uh, you know, you get a lot of right? So your heart beats very regularly to make sure that, you know, your blood is pumping everywhere. So it's like a high stress environment. And then, um, and so when you're very relaxed, your HR is actually all, it's like, it'll be really high and then really low and then really high yeah. because your body's in a relaxed state. Um, so this like, a, is like a, it's a easy to measure. Like, they have like earlobe clips and then, um, but we wanted to make it like some brace, some like wearable in the gaming community. And you can track like you know a bunch of stats like your biomarkers. It's like a health fitness for esports. Um, but anyway, so so we had like we did all this like study, and then uh, we had this deal done. And then right when we were about to close the deal um, and set up like a time to go, it could happen. Then the UK gets shut down, which is where the code is. Yeah. All of it gets stuck. We can't. And then you get locked down or like. <laughs> and then oh. so um, that idea just went. I, I think it ended up being a good thing because. Like we got to that just as like because that's a very good niche. I think you can get a eight hundred million dollar exit out of there because right? there's still a lot of space in that uh, in the space in esports. Yeah. Um, but given COVID now, I think the path forward is way more clear. Right? There's like, uh oh, 
Is it stable again? Um, I think if you, I think if you speak a little bit slower, slower, I think it, it, it the 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 cutting in and out won't 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 take away from the effect of the the speech. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I think with um, with COVID now, I think there's much <laughs> more. Uh... <laughs> Are you messing with me? Dude? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just not used to hearing yeah. that that taste. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So speak slower anyway uh yeah with covid i think the the opportunities that have opened up are very clear and so mainly uh now we're looking so we just scratch all of that that we did all the work because there's much better opportunities now hold on though like but 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 during covid like hasn't video game usage gone up and hasn't the mental health incidences gone up as well like i hear so many things about like domestic abuse and a lot of like suicides and a lot of other like i mean wouldn't it still i i feel like wouldn't it be more relevant than not it just needs to be more like decentralized or like or you just didn't feel like the people would be receiving it um so uh, there's a couple points that we touched on and then basically i think um you're right uh esports gone up uh dramatically uh, during covid and um it's even being played on like espn because they have a lack of games and you know it's, it's really brought us to the mainstream yeah so that's true but at the same time, we're looking at, you know, going one to two years forward, there's going to be an incoming like depression, like, you know, reset of depression. Yeah. And so that scenario, like, are people really going to spend a hundred dollars on some, and like, you know, and $50 a year on some stupid wearable that helps you game better? <laughs> Probably not, you know? And so I think it's like, while yeah, the industry is booming, but you know, in the scenario where everybody's trying to um, save money, I think like having peripherals um, that don't really, they're not like necessary peripherals. Yeah, um, probably not the, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's going to be a much harder sell. So um, perception issue, right? It's going to be hard. By the time people get it, it it'll be no longer relevant, right? Or you've lost so much. Yeah. Money. Trying to yeah. And so, okay. yeah. So I think the, the opportunity is still there. Um, but I just think there's like much better opportunities now. And I think um, one of the frameworks that we always look at when we try to analyze an idea is what this is an existing behavior here. Like, you know, if you say take Uber, for example, right? Like the behavior was existing. People in cars, they call taxis. Uh, yeah. Or just like, just decoupled that, that process and just like, Hey, we'll just take care of this one thing. And I mean, but they, they need to convince somebody like, Hey, you know, um, this guy needs a freaking ride. <laughs> easy, right? Yeah. So, uh, it just made that process easy. And so I think for like the, you know, this wearable, it's like, it's just like a very new industry in, in esports. And then, uh, you know, our, you have to uh, convince somebody that like, hey, having this bracelet, data, better. But then it's not like an existing behavior that's easy to train into people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, especially in the, in like a reset, you know, you want to make something that takes over your habits and saves the money, makes things easier. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of the direction we're looking in now. So like the sharing economy is, is what's on, you have your sites on, like, for example, Uber, is yeah. like your car, Airbnb, you're sharing your house, uh, you know, third party delivery companies, like you're sharing your, your car as well. Um, or what, what industries are you looking at right now that are really clear to you? Yeah. So I think what COVID has opened up, the, the main one is remote education. Cause I think, uh, like before this parents had, they would, most parents, I, I know you, homeschool your kids so obviously you're in a different boat i would say like you know 99 percent of just typical american households 
would never have thought to like put their you know 12 year old on a zoom class with their teacher right it just like it would it never have crossed their mind um, yeah. but all of a sudden you know this whole industry has gotten catapulted into into the main uh just like you know main street awareness and so i think what's going to happen this happened to my sister actually because she had my niece signed up for this art school uh -huh. uh, pre-covid and then when COVID happened, the art school reached out and says, like, hey, we can't give you a refund, but um, we're going to host all the things and we're going to do it through Zoom. Actually, my sister was super pissed. She's like, I didn't pay for this. Yeah. But then, you know, she had no choice. She's like, well, I might as well take it because they're not giving me my money back. And then yeah. on the first class, like, then my niece actually loved it because she can be at home on her PJs and do the same same things. And my sister loved it. She's like, dude, I don't have to drive her around. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there's many, I'm sure that experience is like, it went across like, you know, all of America, right? And so a lot of people realize like, hey, instead of like taking my kid to Taekwondo and like jujitsu and art school, you know, after school, I can just do half of these things online. And so I think people like had a mentality shift where they will start looking at, um, you know, classes and education um, online remotely. And so yeah. I think there's a huge, huge um, like industry that's just opened up overnight uh, yeah. within that. So um, I think that's, that's like a really good one that we're looking towards. 100% because uh, I hear a lot of parents who are just like, dude, I don't know what to, to do with my kid. I don't know what to do for my kid. And just like, you know how the internet has too much information, it's overwhelming. Like if there's a company that can curate like an amazing curriculum and kind of take it, take care of it the whole way through, or I don't know, uh, like a parent can pick and choose classes and just take care of all in one shot. I don't know. Was that what you're thinking or... Or, um, yeah, so what we were thinking was uh, more of like um, like an at-home kit. So, you, so my, I have an investment here in Taiwan. Actually, I'm going to go see them once I'm free from jail. But um, <laughs> they, yeah, uh, so they... Uh, wait, hold on. For the audience, it's 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 quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jail, jail. Yeah, I'm in a 14-day quarantine. It's a mandatory quarantine for entering Taiwan. Um, it's the reason they uh, have been able to keep the cases down so low. Um, but anyway, so, um, did we freeze? A uh, little bit, but you're back. Okay. Um, this is a great podcast. <laughs> is my internet working? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dude. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> so, so I have this investment here in in taiwan and then uh, it's like a after school steam you know like a, so taiwan it's really normal to go to school in the morning and then after school you go to after school program and then mm -hmm. now you go to an after after school program yeah, from, yeah. you know 8 a.m to 8 p.m um then what they learn is like the same thing you know they learn math and like english and whatever like in the after the same thing they learn in school is the same thing they're like they learn in the after school programs and so uh, what my friends did is they opened um, this like after school program, but it's team based. And so they learned about like, they learned how to code robotics and like uh, a lot of like science engineering. And then um, a lot of hands on like uh, stuff. And so they opened like five, six locations here in Taipei now. Um, and actually the, uh, well, I don't know if it was private information, never mind. <laughs> Scratch that. But, um, but yeah, so there's like a lot of prominent to go to these schools. And then, um, but during COVID, what they ended up being, they had these big expansion plans to um, open up in, uh, couple different countries and move into China. Yeah. Um, but during COVID, they just kind of took a break and then they created this at-home learning Steam box. So they send a box to your kid and then it's like five hours worth of learning. And then it's like, a, you say you build like a, uh, like a, a paper car that's powered by a rubber band. They'll teach you about physics and elasticity and while you build this thing. Oh, that's um, so cool. And so, 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually have one for you. I, I was getting one sent to LA. I was going to give you one because um, they have one for your kids around your age. Uh, just for, one? for you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one? Uh, uh, the, my favorite child? The, the good one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was going to give it. No, that you're going to do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just intimidating. Uh, uh, no, that's no, no cool. I'll send you a couple. Well, well, let me ask you this. Uh, that actually brings yeah. me to another subject. Okay, so I'm of the belief that um, we have a really, <laughs> we have a really broken education system where, um, you know, y- you know, uh, there's a lot of. How do I say this? Well, I, okay. Actually, a better question is I'm going to leave it open ended. Um, how does the education system in Taiwan compare to the education system in America? Um. I mean, like on paper, it's, it's it's way better, right? Like in terms of pure like scores and you know achievements of kids, um, Taiwan's super highly educated. Um, you know, it's close to like Singapore and Korea, um, Japan, and so extremely well educated. Um, but you know, I think a problem that exists in a lot of Asian education is that it really, really doesn't teach innovation, and it doesn't teach kids to be more creative. It's very like route to like learn everything they possibly can learn. And then, um, and then go to work, <laughs> and so there's not much like. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, well, I mean, America. Would you say that they they do teach innovation? Because I'm 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 a little bit skeptical of like how you know I've always been, you know, you and I are entrepreneurs, so I'd say we're probably very different. We're an anomaly, but uh, most empl- most schools teach kids to be really good employees, and they always teach to the lowest common denominator, not not to the strengths and. And they, whether you thrive or not, uh, you still go to school from eight to three, uh, and you're in a class full of other kids that are worse off than you or better than you. But you still get, you know, you still kind of get neglected or not enough attention. So I, I'm also thinking like the school system now needs a little bit of help too. Um, so it, would you say it's much yeah. better in Taiwan or, or, or it, it, no, yeah, no, I think it's exactly, no, I think you're right. Like there's, there's no innovation at teaching anywhere. Um, I think that's like the main problem. <laughs> so there's no, <laughs> yeah. I mean like, you know, at, at the very high levels of like, of U.S. education, you like at Stanford or Harvard or UPenn or something. Yeah. Sure. There's a lot of innovation happening. Yeah. Um, and so I think even like, you know, so it just depends, right? Like I think 95% of our of the US education system is complete garbage. Uh, but there is a small portion that's actually really good. Um, and so I think there I think you're right there needs to be a restructuring where like the, we keep the good parts and like you know like the network effect of Harvard or Yale or something is worth it. Of course. Um, but it is like going to you know some random school like nearby your house um, offending a lot of people right now <laughs> including me but uh, you know going to some <laughs> random college that's like you know say even if you're like top 100 in the US like what does that even mean I don't even know like the what college did you go to what college did you go to um, so I got kicked out of UCLA <laughs> <laughs> and, then to, and then I went to um, a community college for a year at Mount Sac and then I uh, ended up transferring back to UC Irvine and then um, and there was this whole ordeal like I wanted to go back into um, physics or engineering and they wouldn't let me and so I had to take economics, and then I was like, "Well, screw that!" And so I quit. <laughs> and so I went nowhere. That's a long-winded way of saying I went nowhere. <laughs> and then, and now you, now you own a bunch of, now you own a bunch of multi, multi-million-dollar companies. That's not a bad way to go. But, <laughs> uh, well, that's a lesson in not not limiting your point of entry, right? But the, uh, would you say you're, you're an anomaly, or 
what is it about you that that allowed you to not let that drag you down? Because I think most people would be like, no, I, I couldn't deal with the whip whiplash of that. Or I do need to, like, people are just so, so depending on their degree as a crutch that they're not willing to take risks. Like, what is it about? How did you think about whiplashing? Yeah, I think this is something that... Um, dude, that's some Larry King stuff right there, dude. It was not about you. It was about... <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, I, I think it was like this was an idea that was um, ingrained to me as a kid, just because uh, my parents are entrepreneurs and then the, you know they're immigrant families, so they're like very hardworking. Um, but I think the difference that I realized after I got older was really just in this fundamental idea of growth mindset versus um, I don't know what the opposite is like that. Um, Atrophy. I don't know, stationary. <laughs> No, it's like growth versus like, or it's like you think, uh, you know, you can only do something because like you've taken these proper steps, right? Like, uh, yeah. so say you go to school with a degree in accounting and so you can only be an accountant. And if uh, somebody told you that like, hey, um, you can go be an astronaut, you're like, huh? Compliance mindset? I don't know. Um, no, it's like a thing. Wait, let me... You know, we should give that the dignity of a name, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's useless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, no, no. But uh, what I did realize was that this was like literally like the fundamental difference between most people. Um, you know, because for me, like my whole thing is like, oh, I didn't need college because you know I can learn everything on the internet. That's what I've been doing since I was a kid. Okay, so, the, so foundations uh, of, the foundations of learning never stop. It's just whatever form it takes, right? It's just a different form. exactly, yeah. So I think it's like um, it's the institutionalized education. I think is is been like. I mean, it's like it's profiteering, you know, universities. And yeah. so um, I think that is is broken and that needs to be fixed. But yeah, people need to have like a, you know, solid academic mindset, you know, need to constantly be learning. And um, and I think that's for me, it's like my, my base mentality is like, you know, if somebody else has done something or it's like theoretically possible then you can do it. You know, it just takes a lot of work. And um, so my mindset is always like, if you failed then it's your fault, you're stupid. <laughs> and so like, given that mindset, yeah, given that mindset, it's like, you know, you can go learn anything, you can do anything. And so, you know, just speak, like, I can't, I, I would never use college, like not having a degree as the crux of like not being able to do something. But I think a lot of people would, you know, they, they would take like, oh, you know, I dropped out of college. So I can't, I can't like, you know, even begin to imagine like, you know, all these other things I could be doing. Because um, they put so much crux on like these exterior forces. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think everything in life just comes from within, right? And so if you, if you like really want something, I, I think people should know that you, like, you can go do it. Nobody's stopping anything. <laughs> yeah, like uh, uh, I think w one example I always like to say is like if you look at like Elon Musk now, like for SpaceX, they're like going to Mars, doing all this crazy stuff. But you know what it started as is just like one email, right? Elon Musk like contacted some Russians. He's like, hey, I want to buy a rocket, <laughs> and that was his like step one. You know, it's like literally Elon Musk just sits there and sends emails all day, and then now he's like fucking, he's going to Mars. <laughs> and so uh, you know, anything's possible. It's like it's all this. We're all doing the same work. Because so, you know, most people are so buried in like whether it makes sense and all the data and it's not possible or who am I to like that imposter syndrome, right? <laughs> but are you telling me he just decided? Be, well, I mean, because he's probably coming off of, of, of some successes as well. That's given him some confidence, right? Um, but but he just sent an email and he's just like, like let's see. Let's yeah, see I mean, if it happens. Let's see if they respond. Um, there's a really good uh, biography. It's called um, Elon Musk and the Quest to 
uh, Incredible Greatness or something like that, or the or Quest to a Fantastic Future. That's what it's yeah. called. Um, but it's like a auto, it's sort of a semi autobiography. It was like a reporter really close to him. But um, basically, he said it started as him wanting to shoot something onto Mars just as like for fun. And then, um, and then slowly he did some diligence on like the actual economics of it. And they realized like, oh, you know, reusable rockets, if you can build a reusable rocket, you would massively undercut the entire industry. And then him coming from like a software perspective, it's like, of course you can build a reusable rocket as long as the sensors and everything are good enough. And then, um, so his, his whole idea initially was like, he, I think he said the first call he ever made, like he called some engineers some rocket scientists from like a JPL or something. And he was like, hey, I'm a tech billionaire and I want to send like people to the moon or something. That was his like opening pitch. <laughs> and then the guy was like, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> Who's this guy? But, uh, that was right off his, like, uh, his PayPal exit. So he, you know, he had a lot of money and then he was super risky, injected all of it basically into Tesla and SpaceX. And then, um, oh you know, but, but yeah, so but he had massive setbacks. Like, uh, so initially his whole plan was to go buy a Russian rocket, retrofit it with a bunch of sensors so that it can land itself. Yeah. And then, uh, instead of building everything on his own, but then, um, so he had all these meetings with these Russians and <laughs> apparently the story goes like he goes to Russia with money in hand, like a couple hundred million dollars to go buy these rockets. And then when they got in the room, they started like hanging out, drinking. And then, um, they were like, Oh, silly American. Do you really think we're going to sell you rockets? <laughs> they just oh. like, they just, yeah, they just let him on for like months. And then so like, he got super pissed and he's like, I'm going to fucking take these guys down. And oh so he just God. built his own rocket. <laughs> That's the best kind of revenge, dude. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't let that uh, get him down. That's crazy. Yeah, He's, yeah. So it's a, it's a really good book. You should read it. It's, it's really short. It's a really good read. Why? You already gave me the really. spoiler, dude. I uh, know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> There's other ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that's all I need. <laughs> um, that's uh, cool. Man. Wait, how much more time do you have? Uh, I, have to, I have 30 minutes. I just got to call it. Oh, my gosh. 30 more minutes with you? My gosh. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, this is awkward. Uh, I don't know how to let you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, is this it? Is this it? Right? This is the podcast, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. my, my internet also sucks, so maybe we should do this with better internet one day and a plan. We'll, we'll do, yeah. dude. Tim Ferriss and Kevin Rose had many random shows, dude. They would have green green playing fields for this shit, dude. But um, <laughs> uh, another question I wanted to ask because. I, I I really think I'm Larry King. Um, uh, so I'd say out of our partnership, I'd say you are the most adventurous because you you fly planes, you um, you just up and left California, and you went to live in New York for a bit. You you did stand up comedy, uh, and I, I'm going to ask you for you know. Podcasts typically ask for show notes, so I'm going to ask for your link to to your video. <laughs> you have that? Um, it's somewhere <laughs> on the internet. I, I don't personally have it. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, so, so you've done comedy, you've done improv. Um, I, I guess my I, I'm I'm most curious about you and I love to laugh. Like I don't think we really do any real work anymore at the whole, <laughs> but we do laugh a lot, and I, I think that's. To be honest, that that's probably what I love the most. So laughter. I, I guess when you came out there to do stand-up comedy and when you went to do improv, I, I guess what was your thinking before getting into it, and what have you learned that you can apply to life, business, and all that stuff after it or during in the process of? Yeah, um, yeah, good question. Uh, so I think the my 
process for making the decision to even go to New York was, um, you know, just got to this point where I felt like my life was like pretty plateaued, like nothing new was happening. I wasn't really um, improving too much. I mean, honestly, life was great. You know, everything was going well, but um, it just like felt like I was hitting this growth plateau. And then, um, and so I just really wanted to put myself in a very uncomfortable position and yeah. do something that was completely out of my comfort zone. Um, and which, you know, in hindsight, I haven't, like up until that point, I was like 29 or something. And there was like a period of like five years where we were just like working, you know, just like life was pretty monotonous. I mean, it was going great, but pretty monotonous. And then, um, and so I haven't really like, you know, went out and learned a new skill in a while. And so um, I, I don't think that was like that clear and, you know, at the time, but I was just like, I need to go do something different. And I want to go do something super weird and, out of, and just like, you know, I wanted it like whatever I chose to have um, like long cross benefits. And so um, I was thinking like, you know, stand up and improv, it's like getting on stage. It's like, it's so good. Like I wasn't bad at public speaking, but like being able to do, having gone through that, I'm like at least 10x better. And so, um, I, so I figured like, you know, the worst case scenario, if I hate all of it, I'll be much a much better public speaker. Or then, you, have, um, you have cool stories to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, right? and then, uh, and obviously it didn't end up bad. It was amazing. Like it was amazing in like six to eight months of my life. Um, and so, but then, yeah, so I went to New York and I just wanted to do something. I've never done like a creative, you know, arts or like a expressive art of any kind. And so, um, you know, improv and stand-up was just something really cool. And I think uh, the biggest takeaway from what I got from that was like, I was actually, I actually did some creative writing and I did some moss storytelling too, like on stage, like storytelling. Um, but I think what uh, the biggest, the funniest experience I went through was um, my first day, like going into this creative writing class. Um, I was actually pretty nervous just because I haven't taken a class of something new in so long. And so it was like this, this anxiety of like doing, being really bad at something and going into this class, knowing that I'm terrible. <laughs> it's yes. like, a, it was something I had to get over, but it's something that got easier, like every new thing that I did. And then, uh, and then I started like fencing with this Olympian and then, um, and I just got into this. Yeah, I wanted to join a fencing competition. The world's most interesting man, dude. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) fencing was yeah. So episode. Yeah, yeah, dude, fencing is so fun, man. It's like one of my favorite things now. Um, But long story short, on that, basically, I I wanted to join a competition in six months. That was in New York, and so I went around. I found uh, the best like trainers, and so I found this Olympian. Um, He played in like the 2012 London Games or something, and then um, and then I was like, hey, can you train me to become really good in six months? And I want to join a competition. And then he's just like this, he's like this Russian guy. He's like, you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, so, dude, I was training like four days a week, like um, two hours a day, just like hardcore training. Um, didn't end up, I didn't have time to get to the um, competition, unfortunately. But um, but it was great, a great experience, man. It was so fun. Oh my God. Um, but what, what, what I wanted to say was, um, I think, you know, the anxiety that I had going to that creative writing class for the first time uh, versus, you know, and then I started doing all this random stuff in New York. Like you stop like the story slam thing. I just like walked on stage and just did it. And I think it was like a, a, the one takeaway I'm, I want to move forward with is like a, at least once a year, I want to do something completely new and then go learn from like a professional. Because um, I think like that interaction of like just learning a, a new skill was so good just for my just like personal happiness as well as like just the ability to know that, you know, you can still grow and you can still learn. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, like, you know, you run into stuff that's really hard and you're just like, ah, I'll just find somebody to do it. And so, you know, as a kid, you always like just grind it through it. Right. And you learned everything, but now it's like, it's so easy just to be like, Oh, I'll just like send this to a VA. I don't want to like think about it <laughs> or send it to somebody else. You know? And so, but which is true, right? Like you don't want to do monotonous work, but I want to optimize like to do like to learn things that are like, you know, creative and new and just like completely out of my room and then, uh, and do it from like a professional. 
Because um, yeah. I think a lot of times I get stuck like uh, trying to learn something on my own, and it's not super efficient. Um, and like I, I think a lot of it is just because I'm scared to suck at things. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like the feeling of being really bad, and then yeah. uh, and so it stops it from like trying to uh, you know being in like a class setting. Um, do you said so much that I want to unpack? The first one is um, I read that people's happiness levels, their their joy joy levels, uh, spike up. Uh, when they do two, one of two things, either they're always learning something new or they're doing like nonprofit work, like work to give back. Uh, and so I love that you've touched on, of course, learning new things by putting yourself in uncomfortable positions. And you recently did, you recently did that campaign with thing where you, uh, where you donated funds to uh, No Kid Hungry, right? Or uh, no. Uh, no, was, uh, World Central Kitchen, the Jose Andres uh, charity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've also been doing a lot of work like uh, supplying a couple governments and a couple large organizations with PPE, like COVID-based medical supplies, right? And uh, yeah, even though, of course, you, you, it was a business, but I mean, you're, you didn't have to get into that, but you decided that it was a good opportunity to serve those in need, uh, especially during this time, this crazy shortage. So that's the first thing I wanted to point out. The second thing was, um, I think that I, I love the idea of having to put yourself in more uncomfortable positions because, um, they're, the only constant is change, right? And if you're able to build the uncomfortable muscle, uh, you're ready for anything. Um, you're a lot more resilient and, and anti-fragile. So I think that's really cool that you did. Um, and yeah, and I, I don't know. You know how Tim Ferriss also talks about that fear, fear setting where what's the worst that can possibly happen? And when you do it, it actually isn't that bad anyway. Like the the fear yeah. of it the fear of it is worse than the actual doing, right? Would you say? So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like procrastination, right? When you have this like one thing you need to do and then you put it off for like, you know, two weeks and then it takes you like three minutes when you actually sit down and do it. And just the amount of relief that comes over <laughs> you is, it's insane, right? It's, it's the same thing as like the fear of doing something new, you know, it's like you keep putting it off because it's new and it's scary, but then once you do it, it's always a good experience because you learn something and it's like, it's amazing. You know, you do this new thing. It's always fun. But I do get really upset. I do get super upset when I realize that's it. That, that's yeah. it. Or, and you know, that cool, that cool quote, um, you know, Mark Twain said that really cool quote, like I've had a million horrible things happen. Um, I've had a, it was like a million, I've had a million uh, terrible incidences, uh, none of which ever really happened. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the show notes for all my, yeah. but pretty much, um, oh, oh, another one is a stoic one. I think Seneca said it like those, someone who, who worries, feels pain twice, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's more pain than you need to. It's unnecessary. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, I mean, I don't know if you've been meditating, but recently I've been, um, I, I, mean, I tried all kinds, but uh, recently I've been using Sam Harris's app. It's actually oh, really good. Uh, waking up, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you tried it? No, I've heard a lot of. I, I actually, I'm using a Christian-based one. It's called uh, uh it's called Hallow, H A L L O W. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Headspace, but for for, for yeah. Christians. Uh, and it's it actually oh, interesting. It's very. I, I love the fact that because you know, uh, the tech world is quite secular, uh, and he's yeah. been able to bridge the gap between like a younger tech crowd and being able to make Christianity still relevant because I think, I think Christianity and Catholicism has a bad PR issue. 
Uh, and so <laughs> yeah, yeah. this guy's been able to figure it out. So it's been pretty good. But I, I've heard amazing things about waking waking up. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the main thing I like about waking up is that uh, versus like headspace or calm is yes. that um, Sam Harris has a whole like category for the theory of meditation. Uh -huh. And so instead of just like having you sit down and meditate and guide you through this, like there's like a, a theory, like, you know, based on that day or not, not necessarily based on that day, but there's a whole course for the theory of meditation, what it means to get better, like what you're striving for. And then, um, and so just to give you like a better fundamental understanding versus yeah. just like, okay, sit down and like, you know, pay attention to your hair. <laughs> and like, what am I doing? <laughs> and so, you know, the, I think all the like, other apps, like, does it tell you to like, um, feel, feel your, feel the the energy at your toes like that kind of stuff yeah it's just like mindful stuff, aware. Yeah, mindfulness yeah yeah just being like very present very aware and so like i'm um, just taking sensations and as they come in right? and then um but yeah but i think it's like yeah that's pretty like typical i think all the apps do that um but, but then i think what's cool about sam harris one and maybe you can just use it just for this is like it just all the theory behind meditation and no, so he's I like you know sam harris like a, a neuroscientist and so he's really into like, you know, fundamental, like first principle theories. And so he yeah. explains like meditation kind of from the ground up of like what you should experience and, you know, why you're doing this in the first place. Oh, um, interesting. So well, that how, was, how long yeah. the sessions? Um, so the, I, I'm still, I'm like, I just started using it like last week after I got here, but then um, the, they have like 50 introductory courses and they're like around, around 10 minutes each. And then the, but the theory ones are like anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes. And then I think like once you pass the introductory 50 courses, I'm pretty sure it's like a 20 minute session. I assume, I don't know, nice. like 10 to 20 minutes. Yeah. That's cool. No, I'm glad you're doing that. Um, yeah. I don't know anybody else that does. Well, I don't talk to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only, podcast I, I don't, I don't talk to a lot of random show. You're the only random show person, dude. How special is that? Yeah. Yeah, nice. It's very random then. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know. For some reason, I'm the vision, the 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 memory of you and I uh, flying on a plane that had a broken alternator, and we're we're gonna crash. <laughs> uh, that, that was a really cool. I feel like I I got really close to you when um when that happened. <laughs> we almost died. Yeah. We almost died. <laughs> Just for uh, just for context, we were flying to a, what what was it a some kind of conference, and uh, yeah, an eighty five conference in San Francisco. Yes, and uh, if you're you're not trying to start a a flight company, right? So this isn't bad PR for you. No. Okay, no, I'm a great pilot. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, dude. Okay, even though the alternator, right, it was an alternator, right? Yeah, alternator okay. broke. Yeah. The alternator broke. While we were in flight and. For some reason, I felt safe with you. Like I was like, oh, like we didn't really, I did, we didn't really freak. I didn't freak out, right? I was just pretty calm about yeah. it. Just laughed, and they're just like, we're gonna die, whatever. <laughs> um, this is how I want to go out. But no, we we landed and and we had it fixed, and we decided to take a train. And I would, I just feel so close. And we also got to play Big Spoon, Little Spoon, and it was just really cool. <laughs> Uh, one, well, of take a turn. one of those things is not true. <laughs> the alternator did not break. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have to get off of that Christianity meditation app soon. <laughs> I'm welcome anymore. The bromance, dude. There's nothing wrong with bromance, dude. Anyway. <laughs> um. Good, good ending. <laughs> good job, Larry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
dude, I, I'm funnier than Larry King, dude. Larry King is like, you see his suspenders, dude? That was like way back when, dude. So 2000 and late, dude. <laughs> Um, okay i know you okay actually during that trip where we were where we were big spooning and little spooning on the train um we had this idea that you you did want to do a podcast right and yeah yeah a bunch of random people i know we got busy and all that stuff and i i actually don't mind if you still want to do that because i think doing it with you is fun um it's just (laughs) Uh, uh yeah every every uh, if if you want like we can start a podcast show about do you still want to do it or 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 has has your calling taken you in other directions no i would love to do that just as like a just as a consistent thing over time and i think i don't know if you remember but what we were talking about was um like it's hard to get information kind of in the middle category of business so like you know there's a lot of people like gary v who's like get off your ass and go do this you know like whatever <laughs> do something and there's like, and then you get to the next step of like Mark Zuckerberg with like, you know, Larry or the. <laughs> what about like, the awkward whoever. middle, right? What about the uglies, uh, the the middle? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah. So like this middle, there's a huge swat. Like most of these businesses are in like middle market, right? And these are very interesting stories because it's people that have overcome like these small steps that are more relevant to most people, you know? Yeah. And so um, I think it's uh, like doing like asking people, like talking to people in these middle categories where nobody cares about them. Has like probably it's probably going to spawn like the most interesting stories and like growth you know growth hacking techniques and like, how to respond in you know certain business situations. And I um, think people feel like it's more approachable, right? And like it's a little bit intimidating yeah. when you talk like, oh, if Elon Musk can do it, you can. Like, uh, no, it's not. Doesn't work. <laughs> I didn't yeah, come exactly. from a PayPal billion dollar exit. You know, um, what about the yeah. little guys? What's more relevant? What's um, you know that whole thing, the confirmation bias or survivorship bias, right? You only. Yeah. You only see about like the huge titans, but what about the everyday? What about the actual, what's more realistic? Even if you don't get bought out, like the chances of being bought out are not very common. So what about those guys? What about the businesses that 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 don't get to attract VCs and angel investors and go public? Like how do you sustain or how do you exit that? Or how do you handle that, right? Um, yeah. That's really cool. What would you call it? The, the midlife crisis or <laughs> oh yeah that'd be pretty good yeah or like man in the middle or something yeah, something in the middle or um i don't know between a rock and a hard place or something <laughs> something <laughs> where you're stuck you know um but i think you know that huh no i think the kind of the concept would be like talking to these middle market like business owners and then asking them like you know okay what was the biggest hurdle that you jumped across you know to get to this point because i'm sure there was a lot and then uh, and learning about these like personal insights, you know, from um, from these smaller companies, because yeah. I think it's a uh, it's kind of like playing tennis, right? Like you always want to play with somebody slightly better than you, but not like way better because it's not fun, and you also don't want to play with somebody worse. Um, but you know, people that are slightly better than you never want to play with you because they want to play with someone slightly better. So it's like creating this platform where like somebody can you know like uh, kind of like listen up a little bit, like somebody that's past their point but not too far, so you can get relevant information. Got it. Uh- I love that idea very much. And I think that I would benefit and I'm sure you'd benefit. And I think the audience would too. Um, would you like to start a new podcast or, or, and, and be, t- be completely honest. Like, do you want to like maybe just make it a segment on my podcast or do you want to just start it completely from scratch? Cause I can help if you are, if you're okay with it, I can actually create that 
for you if you want. And and I can have it automated because I have VSAs and it's sponsored by that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I'd love to chat with you about like to see what your process is. And then if we can easily spin off something that like um, say once a week, we just like find one of our friends or referral that's like doing business in a certain X category. And yeah. then, uh, and then just have a, just do something like this, like an hour, just chat with them. And then, because uh, I'm sure, you know, we're both pretty inquisitive people. So if we had somebody else on the line, it would be interesting to see where the conversation leads anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if not, then we still got our jokes, right? Yeah. 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 We can see how long it takes the other person to get off the line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make it like a, a between two ferns where it's like super awkward. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we should do like between, like it's in the middle. You get yeah. it? <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Thanks for explaining that to me. Did, did I have to explain it or did you get it? <laughs> I got it now after you explained it. Thank you. Okay. Oh, it should be fun. Like, but, like the awkward, the awkward middle or something. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so there's like the, uh, I forgot. It's not Tim Ferriss. It was um, who's the Pat Flynn? I think the oh oh, it's a it, smart it? passive income podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had this whole thing about how he initially built up his podcast following, and um, it's pretty smart. He said he would go to like these small, kind of like what we're talking about. He would go to like these like small like groups where this guy has like you know a Facebook group with like thirty thousand people or something in this random industry, and so he's like not super popular. You know, most people don't know him, but he has a solid following within this industry. And then, and, but like, you know, he doesn't have much like avenue for media outlets. And so he would contact these people and then make a podcast on them. Be like, Hey, can you um, help like share this to your followers? And then, so it's like somebody with 30,000 followers, like is really willing to like share this podcast. But if you go to like Zuckerberg, he's like, screw off. I don't have time for this. And so he's approaching these like, you know, people that don't have much exposure, but have valuable, you know, information to provide uh, and a small following. And then, you know, you just piece all these guys together, you know, consistently over time. And then, um, and then, you know, he's flat for now. I guess he's rich. I don't know. <laughs> so, so, well, uh, okay, I have to tell you, like, I, I mean, I'm proud of the the 16 episodes that I was able to create, but I feel like it's a little bit, I still feel like it's a little bit awkward to do one myself. And for some reason, like when I did one with you, like, please don't feel like obligated, okay? Because uh, I know you got a lot going on too, but I, I just love the fun that we just had right now, just chatting about random stuff. And I feel like every 10 stupid jokes, there was one like nugget of wisdom somewhere, you know, uh, that's not a bad ratio. And I just feel like it would just be more fun to, to do it. That it'd be more entertaining. And I think people could grasp it better when there's entertainment and humor and, and different bouncing perspectives between it all. So, yeah. Uh, uh, dude, I'm serious, down. man. Why don't we try this? Like we can, um, we'll find one person like this week, you know, both of us will reach out, find somebody. And then um, just tell them like, hey, we're just trying this out. If you want to just have a conversation, you know, let's just like, let's just chat. And then let's just see what happens. Like a fireside chat, right? Let's, let's just hang out and just shoot some ideas. Yeah. And I'll put, should I put like a, a little like candle, like romantic scented <laughs> candle here? And that'll be like yeah, a yeah. chat or, or no? Yeah, um, maybe, maybe on the next one. <laughs> we don't have the budget. We don't have the budget for it yet. <laughs> It's not sponsored by. It's not sponsored by anybody. We have no sponsorships yet. <laughs> um, 
Okay. Uh, well, okay. Let's let's think of names and let's think of potential guests and uh, let's go from there. Yeah. Yeah. We just do, yeah. We can aim to do one a week. Um, I'm sure we can find somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, it's, it's yeah. I would love to hear about your whole process though. I don't know if you have, can you explain uh, it and like do you uh, want to explain it. I I. To, to be honest with you, um, my partner Dean just pretty much care. <laughs> um, he, he's actually uh, so actually you know the the campaign with thing that you told me about. Dean and I are actually yeah. thinking about hosting a class on how to automate your podcast. So oh, I, nice. I, I'm more of the sales guy, like I can sell it. And but for for Dean, he's yeah. the systems guy. He engineers. He actually does the work. <laughs> <laughs> But but he the, we we actually got asked by WeWork a couple months before before COVID hit. We we were speaking at WeWork, well, you know the ones that George would would come to, um, our our yeah. mutual friend. Um, he he showed people how to create a podcast and automate it to where um, most people complain about making podcast productions because they take hours to like do post editing and all that crap. But uh, with a little bit of creative use of technology, and he uses his VSAs. Um, I'd say I only spend five minutes every episode, which is why I, I was able to be prolific with like seven, 16 episodes within like three weeks. It, it, it's so easy that I can talk about anything. Like it's, it's pretty cool. So that, we're trying to do the campaign with things. So thanks for, for bringing that to my attention, but that'll be a class yeah, that, yeah. that, uh, that I might, you might have to get to pay to attend, you know? And then <laughs> after the class, you'd be like, I don't want to ever do podcasts again. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> uh, no, I would love to. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, let me know when you guys are doing it. Cool, but no, but if we do and I do something, then I'll I'll I'll, I'll have it take care of. So don't worry about it. <laughs> you have your partner take care of it. Um, well, cool. Well, we have a, a new business and a new show that came out of the show. See, the show was valuable, dude. Yeah, Asian, super Asian Kevin Rose. <laughs> Uh, you know, let's let's do that. Though. Let's set like sometime next week or something, and then uh, we'll find somebody and we'll just record something. Sounds good, man. Um, uh, that's it. <laughs> let's do the, yeah. do the awkward podcast ending. Um, yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah, that was great oh, catching up with you, man. It's been a while. Likewise, dude. Likewise, be safe, and uh, yeah, we'll keep chatting offline too. And um, uh, okay, okay, that's it. <laughs> All right. Right, you gotta work on that, man. <laughs> Tune in next time. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the So What podcast. We hope some of the ideas take root and make your life better. We want to serve more awesome people like you. And here's how you can help in less than 60 seconds. Subscribe to this show, post a review because it attracts others. Forward this to a friend or email Paul with any questions, ideas, or if you'd like to work together at so what at paultran.com.